again, everybody. It is time once again for the Silver Bullets podcast. I'm Michael Citro. And I'm Chip Minnick. Chip, here we are in our July episode, our off-season finale, if you will, because once we reconvene in August, we are weekly. I know. I, I it, That's the thing is like that we are on the threshold of getting practice updates and black stripe removals and all of those kind of things. So, yeah, I mean, the, the season is rapidly approaching. Yeah, we'll have lots more to talk about in the weeks to come. Once we, once we get our August feet under us, we will be with you every week through the conclusion of Ohio State's season. And, uh, yeah, we've, we've done it. We've lasted through the offseason, Chip. Not easy, but it's it's definitely it's the kind of thing where as soon as you know the last week of July, I kind of look at it as like okay, we're we're on the threshold, we're right there. Mm-hmm. Don't blink or you'll miss the season because exactly now's, now's when it starts happening fast. So certainly. All right, why don't we start off this episode with a little bit of a somber note? The really terrible tragedy that happened uh, to Carnell Tate's mother, uh, of course. Here at Silver Bullets, our our hearts go out to Carnell and all his family and friends, uh, everybody that knew his mom, because that's just the senseless tragedy, and and it's not important necessarily in the grand scheme of things how Carnell deals with this um, in in a football sense, but obviously in a personal sense, it's important to you know how he how he deals with this and and. Um, you know, how he moves past it because it's, this is a very, very difficult thing for anyone. Oh, absolutely. Um, yes, my, my heart goes out to Colonel Tate, um, to, um, his loved ones, his family, his friends, um, to the loved ones of Ashley Griggs, which was his mother's name. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, senseless tragedy. It was a little over. Um, as we're recording this, it was um, about a week ago when the news broke about how she had been murdered. Um, so again, my thoughts are completely with Colonel Tate because obviously, you know, having having lost a a parent, um, now granted, completely different set of circumstances. It's difficult. I can't imagine what he's going through and and how difficult this must be to try and focus on the upcoming season. Yeah, and I'm, I'm at least he's got a very good support system in Columbus, a very good support system with Ohio State. They're going to give him everything he needs um, in terms of you know counseling and and anything that he would need in terms of you know people that he can talk to and you know things he can do and resources basically that uh, that can help him get through this. And of course, you know it's a it's a tight knit team as well. So you've you've got people you can lean on i'm sure that he's got friends on the team he can lean on and that's gonna it's just, it's it's never enough but at least there's something that's in place that can offer him some comfort in this time it is i mean it's definitely i i you know you hear about um ryan day and the players on ohio state's team talk about the brotherhood uh, that you know, as it as it is within the Ohio State football team community, and I can only hope that he that he truly leans on all of the all of the help and support that you referenced, and 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 the 
love and friendship of of his teammates and his coaches because again this it's it's not going to be something that is just going to be oh okay you know just move on i mean like this is going to be an ongoing thing yeah um you know i can't imagine you know being you know that age you know 17 18 19 whatever um and going through something like this um so i i certainly hope he avails himself of uh, the help, like you said, that and the resources that are there. I just, you know, kind of on a separate topic, um, you know, a few days prior to the tragedy, Ashley Griggs had posted on Twitter about how, you know, um, on July 13th, um, at Ashley T. Griggs was her was her Twitter handle. Uh, she had a, a, a tweet saying the wait is finally over um, with a screenshot of the jerseys that Colonel Tate um, that are now available through Ohio state, you know, um, you know, the, the white Jersey, the scarlet Jersey. And I was, you know, just thinking like, you know, it's just so sad that, you know, she, you know, she was just as excited um, to see her son do great things on the football field for Ohio state. So again, my thoughts and prayers are definitely with, uh, you know, the the family and, and loved ones and friends of, of Ashley Griggs and Cornell Tate during this difficult time. Yeah, for sure. Same here. And and you mentioned it. It it's not something that you just get over and it's done. It's uh, you know, I've lost my mother as well, and it was. It's been several years now, but it it still comes back to you. It still uh, continues to be a part. It grieving doesn't stop. It just you know you it right. becomes manageable at some point. Exactly. Exactly. All right, uh, Chip. Why don't Why don't we move on to a little bit more of a frivolous topic? Uh, that, I think that that would probably be welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about alternate uniforms, Chip. The gray uniforms for the Michigan State game have been unveiled. Uh, you and I are very much traditionalists. We love Ohio State's uniforms, and we're not necessarily the biggest proponents of alternate uniforms, but. I have to say these gray ones are they look pretty nice and I could definitely definitely put up with them they're much nicer than some of the alternates have been that's true I I would say that you know I think some some of the fans some of the social media posts that I've seen about them um after the news was released that these are going to be the uniforms that Ohio State wears against Michigan State on November 11th that a lot of people prefer this look of these alternate uniforms with the with the gray and the scarlet uh numbers more so than the all gray uniforms that Ohio State wore uh several years ago against Penn State. Um personally I, again I'm like I, I think you summed it up very very well. I am a traditionalist in my opinion. I, I don't see you know for example Alabama ever doing alternate uniforms. They don't see the the need to do it and they they do just fine. On the other hand, I know that a lot of the, the players like it. A lot of the recruits get excited about it. I know the fans, there are some fans that get really excited about it. So yeah, I think, I think it's great for those people that, that really enjoy them. Yeah. Uh, the main thing for me is, like I said, I, I think Ohio state has fantastic uniforms. I like the tradition. Um, yes, they've changed slightly over the years. Uh, there were a couple of designs that I wouldn't mind them going back to, but, as far as you know, once a year you're gonna you're gonna break something else out. Make sure it's done right. Make sure it's a, a good looking uniform that 
does justice to you know the the traditional colors and everything. I I think it's bizarre when teams just go off the rails and they pick uniforms that are nowhere near their regular colors. Oh, I agree. At least, I mean, at least with with Ohio State, they are more of the okay of the gray variety, scarlet variety. Some, you know, you know, obviously, you know, there are fans. You know, for example, one of my sons, um, he he really loves the the black jerseys with the the scarlet numbers. Um, in my humble estimation, if they were going to wear a black jersey, I would think. You could still have the scarlet on the sleeve and maybe have the white numbers because I thought that that looked better. But again, nobody asked me. But yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely one of these things where at least Ohio State is incorporating their school colors into these alternate jerseys whenever they do wear them. Yeah. Now, are these the best in your opinion? Do you have one you like better? Uh, I would say um, for right now, I would probably... I would probably go with the the all white um, that Ohio State wore up against Michigan back in 2013 was probably like my my all time favorite mm-hmm. um, until until you actually I mean I mean I know that it sounds like I'm nitpicking here but you know like until you actually see them I mean I mean it's one thing for them to be modeled on you know like the Ohio State website and put up on Twitter or something like that but until you actually see them you know in a game or on television or something like that I'm always kind of hesitant but yeah I I really liked the all white um you know and again like I would probably put this put this up there just because the the all gray I mean like it it kind of what you said a moment ago it didn't really look like Ohio State at all I mean like it just it almost looked like kind of like the Oakland Raiders or something like back then. Um, so I just, to me, it didn't really look like Ohio state, at least these with the, with the gray and the scarlet, it looks a little bit more representative of Ohio state colors. Yeah. I like the, uh, I'd like to go back to the throwbacks in the nineties with the big giant numbers and the, the gray, uh, stripes on the sleeves. That's uh, that seems to be a popular thought on, uh, on social media, but, Ohio State does not want to do anything about it. So I yeah, I mean it just makes no sense. I mean, yeah, to me, yeah, those those the, the jerseys from the 90s, whenever you see those, you know, especially like when Big Ten Network, for example, will have like Ohio State classics, for example, and you see like the 1995 Ohio State versus Notre Dame game on, and you're like you said, you know, like the really large numbers and the gray on the on the sleeves. It's like, I don't know why they ever went from that. Uh to me that that looked best but hopefully we can we can keep holding out hope yeah well if you're going to do a throwback do a throwback to that cuz that's the best that we've seen from uh, from Ohio State in a uniform i'm always really leery about monochromatic uniforms they look like pajamas for a lot of teams especially when you've got some of these teams like I don't know, like uh, the Arizona schools or Oklahoma State. If somebody throws like an orange on orange, it just looks <laughs> really bad. I agree. No, I I, I agree completely. I mean, I, I definitely think, um, you know, I, I'm not sure if Ohio State heard criticism of their of the gray uniforms that I was referencing. You know, like if they took that into consideration, but I, I think. These are definitely better than what they what they wore uh, against Penn State years ago. Yeah. 
All right, Chip, let's talk about uh, Big Ten Media Days. What's on your mind? What are you expecting from Big Ten Media Days? I always, I mean, it's just kind of, we, we, we referenced this at the beginning of the podcast. I mean, to me, it's like, okay, you get to hear, um, you know, obviously everyone, everyone is, opt, uh, you know, optimism is, is, is uh, flowing freely as it should. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, like everyone, you know, it's like, okay, like everyone is, is unbeaten and unscored upon and, you know, good times are ahead. Uh, but in all seriousness, I like, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, looking at the agenda, you know, on day one, uh, Tony Petiti, who is the the new Big Ten commissioner, I've heard him speak, um, you know, in limited doses, you know, ever since he took over. Um, but I think, you know, the opportunity to hear kind of what his visions are for this last year of the Big Ten uh, before uh, the dissolution of divisions and the additions of USC and UCLA kind of get a feel for what he has to, what he has to say. Um, I know we're going to talk about Northwestern, but David Braun is scheduled to speak on Wednesday. I'm sure that that will probably loom very large over the day one proceedings. And obviously on day one, Ryan day gets to speak as the the last speaker looking at the agenda, just to kind of hear uh, what kind of, thoughts he has i'm sure you know the questions will come up about you know who you know the starting quarterback all the traditional things that most ohio state fans are thinking about but just to kind of hear some of those things on on day one or kind of you know some of the things that i'm looking forward to yeah I'm, I'm anxious to hear what ryan day has to say in terms of you know we remember the big uh transition from urban meyer to ryan day we remember the the go get them tiger line um and in the last couple of years, Ryan Day has not gone and gotten him. <laughs> Tiger is, uh, I'm anxious to hear what he's got to say and, and what's going to change and how he's going to get back on top of the, of the rivalry series with the team up north. I'm anxious to hear what he's going to do in terms of getting some semblance of a defense under control. It's been, it was a, an improved defense last year. So that's good. It was a step in the right direction. But in the biggest games, those same problems were there for the defense. I agree. I and I I my suspicion has been and again that's all it is is suspicion is that with the news that all right, you know, I'm going to take a step back from being the offensive coordinator, uh, you know, in this case, you know, um, you know, again, it's this is kind of the the speculation on my part is that Ryan Day being on the headset being able to tell you know, Jim Knowles, hey, this is what I want to do, you know, in this situation, you know, like to to be a little bit more hands-on, even though, you know, he would freely admit he's not a defensive coach. I That's just my belief is that I think kind of, you know, along these lines, like Brian Hartline is going to be responsible for, all right, um, the, uh, the initial game plan and Ryan Day is going to still, I mean, he's always going to have his hands in it because, I mean, why would you? why would you take away from what is your, what is your preeminent skill level? Mm-hmm. You know, like that's what made Ryan day, you know, like the name and the reputation, you know, that he has was, you know, his, you know, his prowess as a play caller and developer of quarterbacks. But I think during an, during an actual game, I think Ryan day being able to be like, okay, Brian, I need you to, while the, 
while the offense is on the sideline, I need you to come up with like the next series of plays or whatever it might be. And then that he's a little bit more engaged on the headset with Jim Knowles. That's just, again, just one person's suspicion. Mm -hmm. We'll see how that all plays out, but that's kind of to your point about getting the defense under control. I think Ryan day probably, you know, at some point had to have these kind of difficult conversations with Jim Knowles about why there were breakdowns at such critical moments against the better opponents that Ohio state faced last year. And what are we going to do to fix it this coming year? Cause we can't have that continue and we can't allow that to, to happen. And I think to your point about go get him tiger, maybe Ryan day that, that interlude between Ohio state after the loss to Michigan and then getting a second chance with being included in in the playoffs that, you know, Ohio state played aggressively against Georgia. Um, You know, I mean, it was unfortunate the way everything turned out, but somewhere along the way, like I think Ryan day probably was like, you know, I can't play tentatively and scared against Michigan. I have to, I have to play, you know, like very aggressively and not try to play Michigan's game. Cause that's, you know, that's why Michigan thrives. It's like, no, I need to, okay, be aggressive with my play calls and throw the ball downfield and make them try to keep pace. I think that's, that's the way you beat those guys is that, okay, you know, defensively it's going to be a, a tough one, but Hey, go out there and play your game and not try to play Michigan's game. Yeah. And let your quarterback know that it's okay to go make a play. He doesn't have to stay in the pocket. I, I know with those, it, with those receivers that they have, it's, it's so hard to not just try to buy a couple extra seconds for those guys. But at the same time, if there's room there to get six, seven yards, go get your six, seven yards. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have to always be. If I just wait two more seconds back here, I can throw a touchdown pass. It can sometimes be, I'm okay taking four yards now. And then I don't have to do as much to pick up my first down, you know, on the next couple of plays. So I would like to see that. I would like to see uh, this extra time that he has if he's not thinking about play calling. First of all, I'd like to see how does this transform the offense in terms of not needing to take timeouts or not taking delay of game penalties. Does does that clean up the issue, having Brian Hartline uh, call those plays? But also, I want him to be able to notice the game plan of the other team. What are they doing? That way he can give advice to Brian Hartline but at the same time, you can say, what are they doing defensively? But also, what is the other team doing offensively? I don't I don't need to worry about the plays because Brian Hartline's going to design what we're doing the next series. Can I now see what are they doing and how can I uh, how can I tell Jim Knowles, like if they're going to do this, we need to be doing this. You know, or or I get what their game plan is. I know what they're trying to do, I know what they're trying to set up because he's got that offensive mind. He can see it in the opponents, and that should help him. Uh, be a better head coach and how to direct his defensive coordinator. I agree. I think, you know, kind of just using, you know, like I, I, again, just the, the suspicion on my part is they're playing, I mean, fill in the blank. It doesn't matter who. Um, And let's say on whatever, you know, it could be early in the game. It could be, you know, let's just say that Ohio state has the lead and Ohio state, as the opponent in a third and let's say at least like 10 yards. This is where I anticipate Ryan Day saying, all right, Jim, we're not 
going with the blitz here, right? Like, okay, I want, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying like playing like prevent. I'm saying, <laughs> right? Like, it's like, okay, this is what I want. You know, like, I don't want you calling some kind of, you know, like all out blitz and putting our safeties in single coverage, right, Jim? Like that that's the kind of conversations that I anticipate right. having. And that's because it's like, I think I I respect aggressive defense. I, by no means, you know, am I saying that Ohio State should play passively, but I think there's a, you know, there, there's a time for playing it wisely, you know, like, okay. And, and the idea of putting your, your defensive backs in single coverage where all it takes is a missed tackle and somebody is going the distance X number of yards for a touchdown. And all right, what are you doing here? You know, so I, I think Jim Knowles probably is coming to grips with the fact that, all right, you know, what he did to be competitive at Oklahoma state or at Duke when, and this is not, to, I know it's going to sound very condescending, but the level of athletes that he has on the defensive side of the ball that maybe he didn't have at those previous stops, you know, like where he had to be more of a risk taker. I don't think he has to do that as much, especially on like third and long situations. Yeah. And there's ways that if, if you do want to blitz, you can blitz more conservatively. You can do a, you can do a, a, a blitz where you're dropping somebody into coverage, you know, zone blitz. Uh, there's all different things you can do. That doesn't necessarily mean sending eight guys uh, at the quarterback. Right. So, um, right. just all you need is that split second of indecision on the quarterback's part to go, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, and then if you make them, you know, you we saw it happen in big games before. Remember, everybody will remember Steve Miller's interception in the big game. So, I mean, that comes from that kind of play. It's like we're going to send this guy. And then we're going to drop somebody into that area where he normally would be. So they're going to think that this guy's going to be open, but maybe not necessarily. Yeah. I mean, that's a th- I, And again, you know, we've during the spring and since we're on kind of, uh, you know, we talked about it at the beginning of the podcast about like we're at the threshold um, during the spring, the thought, okay, well, is Jack Sawyer going to play the Jack position? Um, like in, and Jim Knowles acknowledged, no, um, we're, we're going to have Jack Sawyer play defensive end and that somebody else, possibly CJ Hicks, possibly Mitchell Milton, somebody else would play that role. And supposedly Jim Knowles has kind of been like, you know, like in terms of recognizing, you know, I'm not sure if I necessarily need to have somebody like that on our, our defense, like in the same kind of what I said a moment ago, like in the same kind of construct, like I needed at Duke mm-hmm. or at Oklahoma state where it's like, Hey, I, I, you know, I don't really have superstars at every position. I need to, you know, try and be creative. Well, it's like, I, I would love to see CJ Hicks playing a prominent role or like if Mitchell Melton, if, if he's recovered from his injury, you know, playing, but by the same token, it's like, Hey, if I can, if I can apply pressure to the opposing quarterback with just the four defensive linemen or, you know, like you said, like maybe like a blitzing linebacker, like a steel chambers or a Tommy Eichenberg without having to sacrifice coverage responsibilities. I'm all for it. Who cares? You know, like who, who cares who gets the credit? <laughs> yeah. And I would like to see Jack Sawyer's role simplified to where he can just go get quarterback. Oh yeah. I think, I think that's kind of what the goal is. I really do. I think that there's a, that last year that trying to have him do that kind of 
actually did more of it was more of a hindrance than a help yeah. for for Jack Sawyer. All right. Um, other than day one, is there anything on the agenda for media days that sticks out to you that you're eager uh, well, to see? I, I would say, you know, day two, uh, just simply because, um, you know, again, like I said, you know, it's, it, you, I think you summarized it very well. It's like, hey, don't blink because it, it goes by so fast is that, um, you know, on day two, looking at the agenda, uh, you know, Tom Allen of Indiana is the is scheduled to be the very first speaker. Uh, you know, Tom Allen, you know, he was shining his his coaching star was shining brightly a few years ago. Now, I mean, there's valid belief that, OK, he might be under, you know, he might be on the hot seat mm -hmm. because of subpar seasons. That's who Ohio State opens up against. And then, you know, just looking at the agenda, the fact that there are several new coaches to the Big Ten on day two, Ryan Walters of Purdue. I mean, he was Illinois defensive coordinator. Now he's Purdue's head coach. Matt Rule at Nebraska. Let's see if he can turn around the Cornhuskers and a familiar name, um, but in a completely different venue, Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. You know, just kind of hearing what they what they envision for their respective teams uh for this upcoming season. It still feels really strange to have Luke Fickle outside the state of Ohio. It it I'm I'm maybe I'm mistaken i know that a lot of people have predicted great things for wisconsin and i i believe luke fickle will do a very solid job just because of the evidence of what i saw what he did at cincinnati my belief is this year is going to be a transitional year not that they're going to lose or anything like that i kind of um referred to that um a few weeks ago for land grant holy land in, in an article that I believe Luke Fickle trying to transition Wisconsin's offense to be more of a wide open passing game is I, I think this year there's going to be some some bumps. That's all. I, I'm not saying that mm -hmm. that they won't win. I just think, okay, when you have 30 plus years of, of, of an offensive style and scheme and the personnel not necessarily for 30 years, but like a lot of those linemen, I mean, they, they were recruited to play a certain style of, of, of offense. And I just think trying to turn that around, even with spring football, I, I think that the, the, the idea that, okay, like they're going to be just able to flip a switch and be successful at throwing the ball down the field. Maybe I'm mistaken. I I'm just, I'm just skeptical. That's why I'm saying, I think it'll be kind of more of a transitional year than I think a lot of people realize. Yeah. I, I agree with you, and I think that if if somebody can make it work, Luke Fickle's a guy who could probably make it work, but it, there's a reason that they've gone with a formula up in Madison. It's because the weather's not always cooperative. Um, the kind of recruits they get, it's enabled them to be successful. It's it's risky to go away from that. It is, and I mean, I give, I give Luke Fickle a ton of credit um, for, all right, for daring to go against what has worked. Obviously, the, the powers that be at Wisconsin last year, it didn't take them long um, <laughs> for them to decide, okay, you know, like this, what what Paul Chris, what we're doing and what we have been doing, it's not working anymore. We need to go differently. Um, I saw, and I, I realized a spring game is not necessarily the, the most accurate barometer. Um, but when I saw of Wisconsin on 
the Big Ten Network in their spring game. It that kind of what led me to believe, like, okay, I think there's going to be some some challenges to this passing game. I mean, like there were it was it, you you alluded to it accurately that okay, up in Wisconsin, the weather can be very bad during the spring game. It was snowing, um, and they were trying to throw the ball around, and their quarterbacks were being repeatedly intercepted. I think it's a credit to Wisconsin's defense because I think that that they will be very strong under Luke Fickle in that capacity. That's why I keep going back to the offense. I think might be it might be they might want to kind of ease a little bit more into the passing and still rely on that running game when things start to kind of get a little more challenging. Uh, I must admit, I haven't been um, the most attentive offseason uh, connoisseur of other teams in the Big Ten. Um, where did Jim Leonard end up? Jim Leonard is to the best of my knowledge. Um, he didn't, um, I think he, I may be mistaken, but, um, you know, he, I think he is, uh, living off of, you know, whatever kind of contract, uh, that he, uh, had signed with Wisconsin, uh, to the best of my knowledge, I don't recall seeing him, you know, sign up with, uh, I, 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 Maybe mistaken, but I thought that there were some discussions with some NFL teams, uh, but nothing came, uh, you know, nothing substantial came of it. Um, but yeah, Jim Leonard, that's going to be a name. If if I'm if I'm correct, Jim Leonard is going to be one of those names that will be bandied about about, you know, like when coaching positions open up, you know, like uh, you know, thinking about Jim Leonard as a possibility because again. He was kind of dealt some unfortunate circumstances mm-hmm. with with Paul Christ, um, the way that that was handled, you know, and say what you will about Wisconsin um, moving on from Jim Leonard to Luke Fickle. Um, I know that that was, you know, I mean, Luke Fickle could probably empathize better than anybody, considering that that was kind of like a comparable situation yeah. where he went through um, when Urban Meyer came on board. So, yeah, I, I think Jim Leonard will be one of those guys that his name will be bandied about for maybe not necessarily Big Ten jobs, but like other co- uh, college coaching jobs or possibly NFL jobs in some capacity. Well, if Ohio State's defense gets off to a poor start, it's a name I'll bandy about uh, <laughs> in front of Ryan Day if need be. <laughs> well, I'm. Let's. here's to hoping, I mean, my belief is that the defensive performance not only will be improved because of the continuity um because of the fact that everybody okay like everybody on the defensive staff is back um but i kind of what i I referenced earlier i think that you know jim knowles probably feels a lot more comfortable with what his personnel can do and what they i don't want to say cannot do but what they might struggle with more and okay well i'm not going to put them in positions where they might necessarily you know have some more challenges so i that's why i'm i'm of the optimistic opinion that year two will be much better for a lot of the reasons that we've already discussed all right well let's see we'll see how it happens but i'm I'm keeping uh i'm keeping jim leonard on speed dial if i'm ryan day (laughs) um so we got a few more topics to get to before we end this episode we are going to talk about the northwestern scandal a little bit And uh, we'll talk, we don't talk recruiting a lot, but there is one topic that we should probably touch on. We're going to get to that right after this.
And we're back, Chip. And let's talk recruiting, something we don't do very often. Sure. Um, earlier, as, as, as we're recording this, earlier uh, tonight, um, a prominent recruiting target um, for Ohio State defensively, a linebacker from California, Kingston Viliamu Asa, um, was um, supposedly down to Ohio State, Notre Dame, and USC, uh, the scuttlebutt on, you know, in terms of, you know, the various social media platforms had Ohio State being a favorite, but he decided to uh, select the Fighting Irish instead. Yeah, a couple of a uh, couple crystal balls had him coming to Ohio State. Some guys that are usually very plugged in on what's going on at Ohio State, but uh, KVA, as he's been uh, known on. Uh, social media has chosen Notre Dame. And that is, uh, I, we don't know what kind of may have led to that decision. Uh, we know that Notre Dame was certainly a favorite, but um, when you are in the era of NIL, the question always needs to be asked is that, was he just simply offered a bigger, better deal to go to Notre Dame? I think that that would, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that you're incorrect. I, I mean, Everything that I have been led to believe in terms of the whole NIL, I, I don't want to call it situation, but like, you know, like the challenges of NIL um, that kind of happened to Ohio State last year down the recruiting stretch. Everything I've read, everything that I've seen is, is that Ohio State seems to have a better handle on that pulse. Um, I don't, I mean, you could be right. It, it, it could have been an NIL thing. I would be surprised if Notre Dame, if that was what it was, um, you know, it's just sometimes I think, you know, guys look at, you know, the, uh, the depth chart, um, you know, obviously NIL, which we just talked about, um, the, the defensive philosophy, the coaching staff, you know, just you know, there, there are so many things that like the factors as to why somebody would choose another program instead of Ohio state. I'm of the belief that, you know, from what I understand, um, you know, before we started recording, just reading some of the things, um, and again, just kind of, you know, that I guess he was, you know, deeply corn and, you know, deeply thinking about it and that he prayed about it and that he looked at this as more of, okay, of, all right, you know, like kind of, um, you know, like at prayer kind of led him to Notre Dame, not to get, you know, philosophical or religious or anything of that nature. If that's what he he felt was was the best decision for him, I wish this young man nothing but the best because, you know, again, it's 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 not my decision to make. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I want to again mention that I just say, anytime that something happens you need to ask the question doesn't necessarily mean the NIL was the reason. It just means the question is going to come up is like, did Ohio state do enough behind the scenes? Uh, did the, did the NIL situation hurt, the, hurt the recruiting or did it just not help the recruiting or it was better situation, but the recruit just went a different way. I mean, there's a lot of different variables, a lot of different factors why kids pick the schools they go to. And you mentioned them uh, a bunch of them right there. So yeah, I, I just wonder when you look at Ohio State over the last five years and you look at the defensive targets versus where they went, Georgia, Alabama, Notre Dame, USC, wherever, 
is Ohio State doing enough on the defensive side of the ball to get the same type of recruiting on the defensive side that they get on the offensive side? Now, they're not doing poorly by any stretch of the imagination, but are they elite on the defensive side of the ball? I think is a very... Uh, it's a question that needs to be asked. Is is Ohio State doing enough on that side of the ball? They don't seem to have a Brian Hart line on the defensive side. I would agree with that. Um, by the same token, and again, you know, when it comes to you know, like there's you know several months still remaining. Um, you know, like we're recording this at the latter part of of July and the early signing period in the middle of December. You know, it's kind of where like the, you know, 95% of your recruits, you know, usually sign. Um, from what I understand, when we talk about, you know, with social media, um, that there are a number of prominent recruits who are going to be announcing within like the next several weeks. And Ohio State is considered to be the, you know, like the, the leader for almost all of them. Mm -hmm. Um and as far as, you know, when it comes to, you know, your point about lacking maybe like a Brian Hartline on the defensive side of the ball, um, that that I think is a legitimate point. Um, by the same token, um, you know, uh, back at the beginning of July, one of the defensive line recruits um, that is, is coming on board um, from Chicago, Justin Scott, speaking of, you know, like somebody that. Notre Dame thought, you know, months ago that they were going to land Justin Scott and, and then Michigan was the, was considered the favorite. And then Justin Scott gave his verbal commitment at the beginning of July, which was a welcome surprise um, by Ohio state recruiting fans. Uh, Justin Scott, uh, one of the key elements of his decision was that he said, you know, like being able to play for, for Larry Johnson and there has been, concern that, you know, like maybe Larry Johnson, you know, maybe the game has passed him by on, and the fact that Justin Scott said, no, I want to come and play for Larry Johnson. I think that that kind of speaks well for the Ohio state defensive staff, that they are still able to get in a prominent interior defensive lineman, the caliber of Justin Scott to come to Ohio state, uh, hopefully in December. Yeah. Well, once we get the commitment verbally, we just, uh, we just, Cross the fingers and hope things don't go awry. <laughs> oh well, that's. A th I mean, I, I, I mean, in all seriousness, it's the kind of thing where if it, if, if I had my way, um, not that I don't get excited about um, that early signing period in December, or that I didn't get excited in February when that was the the big time, you know, like the big time date, like it used to be. In my opinion, if you let players sign whenever. I mean, like it would just be, you know, like all of, you know, in terms of getting a feel for, okay, well, these teams truly do want this player um, and they're willing to let them sign whenever the player is ready. Because, uh, I mean, there are so many, I mean, so many different things where it's like, oh, you know, like commit, uh, you know, like um, scholarship offers are extended, but not really. Like it's, it's kind of like, oh, you know, like hold off on making a commitment and then you know, on mm -hmm. you hear these stories of players like, okay, well, they're giving like a soft commitment, but they're going to still take visits. And I'm sitting there thinking like, oh my gosh, you know, just, you know, in my opinion, all right, if you want to, if you want to come play for Ohio state or for any program, you should be able to sign. And that would, that would truly show, I think on both sides player, as well as the school. Okay. That level of 
commitment if you if you could just make it whenever. Yeah, I agree with you. And I I think that it's kind of ridiculous that you don't you have to wait till a certain date. No, nothing can happen until that date. Uh, but that's the way it is. So everybody's got to live with those same rules. That's why the tr- uh, transfer portal is so busy all the time. Well, that's I mean, I'm glad that you brought that up is that, you know, we were just talking about, um, you know, the fact that, you know, like with, you know, Larry, um, Larry Johnson, you know, as the defensive line coach, um, by and large, you know, when it comes to like the, the transfer portal, um, you know, it's the kind of thing where, okay, as long as you do not burn bridges during the, during the recruiting process, it's one of these things where sometimes, you know, players will look at like, they'll, they'll choose elsewhere, you know, in, in Ohio state. I mean, they were so active, but so much more active in the transfer portal this off season than they, you know, have been in, in previous years. Um, you know, so by and large, you know, just kind of thinking about, um, you know, the fact that they were able to get, uh, you know, like Lorenzo Styles Jr., who, you know, he was recruited by Ohio State. He wanted to play wide receiver. Ohio State kept saying, you know, like, okay, we really think you're a better defensive back prospect than a wide receiver. He went to Notre Dame was their you know their leading receiver was like a day or two into spring football at Notre Dame and they said we'd like to try you a defensive back and that was all it took for him to say like okay well I want to play defensive back here and then he announced all right he's coming to Ohio State to play defensive back so that's kind of my point is that the the lines of communication were still positive I'm sure there was disappointment for Ohio State when he said I'm going to Notre Dame, but the fact that they were able to, you know, turn that around and and bring him back home to Columbus, I think that's that's a positive thing as it relates to the transfer portal. Yeah, an in- interesting decision too, because there are probably other schools that would give him a shot at at wide receiver, um, but he would he chose to come to Ohio State. So the the main thing is if you're coming here, if you're coming to Ohio State, and the coaches say we think you might be a better defensive back than a receiver. And also you look at that receiver room, maybe you should listen to them. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, the fact that Ohio state has a stacked receiver room, um, Caleb Brown, who is one of the, one of the players who left Ohio state to go to Iowa, he freely admitted that was in an interview with, you know, as it relates to, well, why did you choose to leave Ohio State to go to Iowa? He freely admitted the fact that Ohio State's wide receiver room was, you know, so stacked with talent that he recognized, okay, it's going to be a challenge to get on the field. Um, and Caleb Brown was one of those guys that I, I think that Ohio State was kind of possibly looking for, you know, as maybe like a more of a kickoff return or punt returner type. Mm-hmm. Um, and he saw, okay, the, the talent that was not only <laughs> there, but the talent that was coming in. We, we referenced Carnell Tate earlier. Um, you know, Brandon Innes um, is now on, on campus. Um, that, all right, you know, between, you know, players like that, Noah Rogers, Bryson Rogers, et cetera, coming up in this freshman class. Okay. It might be, it might be in my best interest if I want playing time to go somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. 
All right, Chip, one more uh, item of business to discuss before we uh, put a cap on our July episode for 2023. Of course, the big story in the Big Ten on the football side of things since our last show was Pat Fitzgerald out at Northwestern. Some hazing going on there. The stories that were coming out seemed to get worse after he, he was initially suspended. The stories got worse, and then he was let go. It. I mean, it, this is going to be something, uh, you know, you, you, you referenced about, you know, what am I looking forward to? I wouldn't say this, I'm, that I'm looking forward to hearing about, you know, you, you referenced the, the, the hazing. Um, but um, David Braun, who is the, the interim head coach uh, for the coming year. Um, I mean, you want to talk about somebody that, I mean, he, he just set foot on um on Northwestern's campus in January as the new defensive coordinator. And these hazing allegations are, are quite substantial and quite serious. And the powers that be at Northwestern decided, okay, we're going to elevate you to be the acting head coach for the 2023 season. Um, like you said, like this, this news just broke um, beginning of July. It's, I mean, you want to talk about an inopportune time. Um, you know, like when you're only a few weeks from the, the beginning of fall camp, um, I think Northwestern, this is going to be a brutal year uh, for Northwestern, but obviously they have to try and turn the page and move forward from this, from this hazing scandal. Yeah. This is one of those things where we, we hadn't gotten to our, our predictions yet for the upcoming year, but I don't think either one of us, were going to have Northwestern very high in the, uh, in the division and, I think that they were going to have a very, very long year. If there was one thing about Pat Fitzgerald is you knew his teams would play hard for him. Um, they weren't necessarily always the most uh, talented group. And now we don't know what this new coach is going to bring to the table, but it does look like it's going to make for a long year for the Wildcats. It's, I mean, it's so, I mean, it's terrible. I mean, when you think about, I mean, somebody may <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not laughing at Northwestern, but somebody made the point on social media. I mean, Northwestern only won one game last year, and that was against Nebraska in Ireland. That was before. That was the you know like the beginning of the Scott Frost era, the, the end of that for Nebraska, and then Northwestern lost every game. Looked. I mean, they. they you know, when you think about the fact that on. You know, two separate occasions, Northwestern was playing uh, in the Big Ten championship opposite Ohio State. And like you said, Pat Fitzgerald always had his team playing well and playing competitively. I mean, how far they have fallen. And I mean, it's it's going to be difficult. I, I give I give Nor David Braun, you know, all the credit in the world, even before uh, hearing anything he has to say, because he has to deal with. We just referenced the transfer portal. Players have. 30 days to, okay, to, that they, if they want to leave, they can leave. Um, you know, David Braun has to try and heal a very fractured, hurt group of players that, like you said, that they have a tremendous loyalty and allegiance to Pat Fitzgerald. You know, how, how they're going to make the, the, the best of a very difficult situation. I, I think it's, it's going to be a long year in Northwestern. You know, that will be a program that bears watching over the next couple of years to see how they bounce back from this or if they bounce back from this. There's been even talk that maybe they should just drop out of Division One football. 
I wouldn't be against that. I, I highly doubt that they're going to do that simply because, and I, I apologize if this sounds completely callous and insensitive, but the financial investment that Northwestern did make in terms of with their facilities, you know, in terms of what they would like to do with a new stadium. Now, granted, that might have to be put on hold, but let's face it. I mean, Northwestern being a member of the Big Ten, they are going to be realizing those very substantial paychecks that are going to be coming in as a result of the of the TV contract. If anything, um, you know, I think the, whoever is going to be the, the next head coach at Northwestern, I, I'm sure David Braun is just going to be there to just kind of, all right, let's just get through this year and we'll reassess what role I have at Northwestern if I have one at all. Um, it's going to be tough because starting in 2024, there are no divisions. So Northwestern that capitalized for years in the Big Ten West and was able to, granted, I mean, they, they it would be usually like they would they would win, you know, seven, eight games, get to a bowl game, you know, like play competitively in that bowl game. And I think Northwestern fans were accepting of that. They were fine with that. With this new the, the, this new divisionless format, the opportunities for Northwestern to thrive and be successful within the Big Ten, I'm skeptical. I don't I don't think that they will drop down, but I think the next several years, when you throw in kind of all all the the issues that I just I re, I just referenced, and oh by the way, Northwestern's very stringent, demanding academic standards. I think if it was me. I would probably look for a coach that has a very strong background from a competitive academic school that that obviously, you know, it's like when it comes to, all right, you know, there are a handful of schools and I'm not trying to put down, you know, like Ohio State. Um, I think Ohio State, when it comes to, you know, I just know this, you know, with with my daughter being there, the academic standards to get into Ohio State nowadays extremely high, but Northwesterns are even more difficult. Um, I think finding a coach that might come from, you know, a a school that has extremely high academic standards and is used to playing at a high level of um, competitive football. I I think, you know, you have to give whoever that individual is, give them a great deal of leeway for the next, I'm going to say for the next 10 years, because I think, there's going to be some adjustment with, as I said, I, I think the the lack of divisions is going to really it's going to handicap Northwestern even more so than people realize. Yeah, I agree with you. It, it, again, this is a big story. We'll be watching this carefully as uh, the season unfolds. Chip, anything else on your mind that we need to talk to before we get out of here? No, I'm just looking forward to, you know, speaking about okay, you know, finding out, you know, like obviously when it comes to. Um, you know, with Ohio State, you know, like my suspicions as to who, you know, captains are going to be and who's going to wear the block O jersey. And, you know, uh, Ohio State announced um, they're going to be beginning fall camp August 3rd, and they had made tickets available to the public. And big surprise, those tickets are already sold out. You know, I think I think the fans are, are ready for the season to start. Always. They're always ready, Chip. Uh, Even the day after the season ends, they're ready for the season to start. That's true. 
So uh, we're going to start our season in August. You and I will convene either uh, the first or second week of August. We'll start and we will be weekly from that point out. Silver Bullets will be here with you every single week through the end of Ohio State's run. And uh, and then a week beyond that, and then we'll we'll take you know our hibernation and go back into our off season schedule. Well, again, like you said at the beginning, you know, don't blink; it goes by too fast. You always politely and gently remind me of that to to yeah. savor this. And you know, if if I could if I could throw some kind of an anchor or some kind of a heavy object that would slow down the passage of time uh, into that off season, so I, I'm going to try to enjoy it all you know, everything. There you go. Soak it up. All right, Chip, where can people find you and your fine work online? Well, I appreciate that. Um, I can be found on Twitter. I I guess by the time this is being uh, released, I'm not sure if it will still be called Twitter. Um, but I will still call um, it I, that. I, I'm sure I will too. Um, I can be found on Twitter. Um, my my uh, Twitter handle is at Chip Minnick. Uh, last name is spelled M-I-N-N-I-C-H. Um, so look for, uh, articles from me on land grant, Holy land dropping usually around 12 PM Eastern on Friday afternoons. Uh, so that's where, uh, any articles from me will be for the, for the foreseeable future. Um, that's going to be probably the primary writing platform for me for the upcoming season. All right. Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter as well at Mike 36 fan. You can follow the Silver Bullets podcast on Twitter at Silver Bullets Pod, but no E in silver, S-I-L-V-R, Bullets Pod. You can email us at silverbulletspod at gmail.com. You do put the E in silver in that one, so I know it's confusing. I'm sorry. Uh, Maybe with a new name, Twitter will allow us to have the extra characters we need to spell out silver, (laughs) the one more we need. I don't know, but... um, We'd love to hear from you there. You can catch me at Land Grant Holy Land as well. Uh, my articles typically land on Monday at lunchtime. So the other uh, uh, other end of the work week from Chip, but same time. And uh, you can catch me every Monday, and I will be the grumpy old Buckeye throughout the season. So look for my grumpy old Buckeye articles. But uh, we've got another theme week ahead, and then we'll be looking ahead to the 2023 season. So lots going on. It's very exciting. And we are uh, appreciative of you listening. We ask that you uh, rate and review us wherever you get this podcast. Uh, Share it with your friends. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're downloading it. Even if you don't listen to it, if you don't have time, that's fine. Just download it and uh, and uh, set it and forget it, as they say. Put you know, put put it in there as a subscription in your podcast catcher and let your phone download it and uh, listen to us if you have time and uh, spread the word. We would love to to have more fans or more listeners and uh and expose them to chip's brilliance and my idiocy i think i I think you had that reverse but yeah (laughs) i appreciate that all right thanks everybody for listening that's going to do it for our july 2023 episode of silver bullets podcast will be weekly next time you hear us thank you so much for listening the only thing left for us to do is to say go bucks go bucks